Welcome to episode 82 of Love That Album podcast. Morris was very surprised and excited to discover that his favourite working band, Los Lobos, were releasing their first studio album in five years, Gates of Gold. It contains all the ingredients that makes a Lobos album so special. The great song craft of Louis Perez, David Hidalgo and Cesar Rosas, excellent musicianship and just the general joy of a band of friends that have been playing together for over 40 years. Saxophonist and keyboard player for the band, Steve Berlin, joins Morris for his second appearance on the show to discuss the new album, the new Lost Lobos biography, and other bands he's produced or recorded with, including the Flesh Eaters and Diamond Rugs. All this ahead on Love That Album, episode 82. kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? Or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? Well, music is my life, man. What do you want me to do? there, Morris speaking here. You're listening to episode 82 of the Love That Album podcast. Thank you very much for joining me. What was going to be episode 82 of the podcast has now been moved back to episode 83. Now, you don't know what that is yet. I'll tell you that at the end of the show, so it's no big deal. No one's disappointed. But episode 82 is very, very special for me because it has a return interview with Steve Berlin of Los Lobos. He's the saxophone player and keyboard player, and I think he's played little bits of percussion here and there across the albums. Uh, Now, I only found out about a week and a half ago from the time of this recording that Los Lobos, in fact, had a new album out called Gates of Gold, completely new. And so I've only had a chance to live with it for a few days, but I've given it quite a few listens and thought of some questions for Steve, not just around Los Lobos, but a bunch of other topics that will hopefully be of interest to you. So very, very excited that this interview was able to be put together so quickly. I sent him an email and he said, yep, why not? Why not? So uh, I'm very, very gratified that he uh, chose to come back onto the program. It possibly meant that I didn't ask any stupid questions the last time he came on the show. If you're interested in hearing that, it's episode, I can't remember the number, but uh, it featured Michael Persh and myself discussing the uh, Los Lobos album Kiko, and we included that interview that I did back at the time with Steve Berlin. So uh, if um, you're ready to go, then uh, let's carry on with the show. I'll join you again at the end of the program to tell you what will be on for episode 83 of the podcast. In the meantime, listen to Mr. Steve Berlin. We hope you're enjoying the show. You can get previous episodes at either lovethatalbum.podbean.com or 
lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or search for Love That Album in the iTunes store. If you want to get in contact, please email Morris at rrrkitchen at yahoo.com.au. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash love that album and start a music related discussion. Welcome back to this uh, very special episode of Love That Album podcast. My gratitude for you joining. And uh, on the other end of a Skype connection, I have the saxophone player and keyboard player and multi-instrumentalist, Mr. Steve Berlin. Welcome back to the podcast, Steve. Thank you. Now, Los Lobos has been together for 40 plus years now, which is an incredible achievement in itself. And there are other individual performers like uh, Richard Thompson and Tom Waits and Ry Cooter that have been making really great records for that long and are still making great albums. But to have a whole band remain more or less intact while still making new great music is amazing. In, in this day and age of uh, iTunes and downloads where people are going for individual songs, what does it mean to the group to make an album of new material? Well, uh, you know, it's kind of all we know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to say, you know, you're, I, mean, I wouldn't necessarily characterize us as dinosaurs, but at the same time, you know, it's not like we haven't made a whole lot of concessions to uh, modernity, uh, very few that I could think of, as a matter of fact. So, um, you know, we're, we sort of, you know, not really a whole lot has changed in those 40 plus years, you know, still make most of our living on the road and every few years we'll go make a record and you know hope for the best and go back on the road mm. so you know beats working but <laughs> it seems you, uh, you guys are, you guys are on the road so much it, it seems to be to be absolutely the epitome of what working is all about yeah well you know i mean i like it so i mean you know if i like it I, it's hard to call it work but but what does it mean actually to you guys in terms of uh you know crafting a record now you say not much has changed you, you haven't made any concessions to modernity but when you made albums like uh, you know uh, kiko and this time they sounded like a world away from will the wolf survive for instance so you in fact had gone and made some concessions to uh, modernity at, well, in, we're, in your sound hopefully we're evolving and maturing i guess um i mean yeah i mean i didn't mean it that way i guess i, I think i meant more in the sense of uh, you know how you know have things changed for us over those years and yeah i mean we're we're certainly a much different band than we were when we did um by the light of the moon and hmm. will the wolf survive i mean in in a certain sense and you know in other senses it's not really not really changed very much at all i mean the the process is still pretty much the same and you know the people making the music is still the same and you know we're still you know we haven't i mean we're making records on computers now but you know everybody else is too so yes it's uh i don't know it's um some things have changed but you know i would say for the most part we are we still are luddites i guess in a certain sense you know (laughs) you know we're not we're we're happy where we are and so far so good i guess Voy por el mar, vengo en mi lanchita A buscar mi amor Traigo cosa rica Ella espera con todo cariño Me da su bombón Y yo le doy lo mío yeah. 
poquito para aquí, poquito para allá, poquito para arriba, poquito para abajo, poquito para aquí. Congratulations on uh, your album Gates of Gold. I've had a chance to live with it for you know the last few days and played it quite a few times and really, really enjoying it. Your first Thank album in five years, and you know it's another great collection of songs in the Los Lobos tradition. You've got you know your, your songs that are fully blown rock like Too Small Heart, uh, songs mm -hmm. with your traditional Tex-Mex flavor like La Tumba Serra Al Final and a healthy dose of you know, classic soul with a, with a bit of a contemporary flavor and something like When We Were Free. Did David, Louis and Caesar, you know, work on these songs over the last few years or was it decided to make an <laughs> album in 2015 and they were just able to write to, to order as it, as it was when the decision was made you were going to have an album? We, we haven't, I mean... It's, I, I, you know, for any young musicians out there, don't do it this way. But <laughs> we, uh, we very, very, very to the point of never really like write when we're not, you know, what like between records. Like basically, you know, I'm not in the room with them, but my sense is that the guys basically, if we're in, in the studio on Monday morning at Sunday night at midnight, they start thinking about it. <laughs> So it's uh, it's always a little harrowing at the beginning of any record because everybody professes to have nothing and we sort of just stare each other down and then somebody says, well, you know, I got this stupid idea. You know, it's not going to work, but let's try it anyway. And then that's how it starts. Almost every record for the last five or six or so, that's how it starts. Just mm -hmm. like they, they don't do anything and then... And then we start with something, and then we have something. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. But no, we're not one of those bands that writes on the bus on the, you know, on the road and records stuff and comes up with ideas. I mean, I would love it if we were, but I think mm. it just ain't happening. No, the guys are just, they just don't do it that way. I mean, I think we come up with good stuff, but it just doesn't seem to. I mean, nothing really happens until the last, absolute last possible second, and then slowly it begins. Has it always been that way? It's been that way, I would say, where, you know, like, I think Kiko was the last one that, that we actually, like, there was some writing going on before we went in the studio. That was the last one. Then we did Colossal Head, and that was, it was, we came to Colossal Head, we had just done uh, Desperado, the Robert Rodriguez movie. lo mejor, a mujeres no me falta ni el dinero ni el amor, jineteando en mi caballo por la sierra yo me voy, las estrellas y la luna ellas me dicen dónde voy, ay, 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 mi amor, ay, mi morena de mi corazón. He is a, a voracious consumer of music when he makes movies. Not just in the like he'll he likes to have like things in his headphones while, while he's shooting. He actually shoots his own movies. So we had to give him like oh God, I don't know probably three hours of music or something like that. I mean it was just like a ridiculous amount of music. So when we started Colossal Head, we had literally nothing. I mean we had used every single thing went into Desperado, and I guess for better or worse that record came out pretty good. So. <laughs> Ever since then, we employ the same formula of showing up with absolutely nothing and then, you know, coming up with it in the moment. And again, I cannot stress to you young would-be music makers out there, do not do it this way. It is not fun for anybody. Nobody enjoys this process. Let me ask you in terms of collaboration, then. So if you are working out these songs as you go, do the guys, uh, David and Louis and Caesar, do they say, Steve, we want you to play something this way, or do you just no. jam it into place? Yeah, we just kind of figure it out. I mean, there will be, like, you know, there is a shred of, like on this one, I think Made to Break Your Heart actually was, Dave had that riff and yes. the chord sequence, so there was something. And so we just kind of, I don't know, piece it together, you know, try and come up with something. Wasn't that I heard making sound coming around in the night? 
to hear anything beforehand so of course it would be the last thing that goes on and then generally you know i'll wait for that melody or the lyrics to go on and then i'll try and figure out what i'm going to do but uh for the most part this one was done you know bass drums guitar you know one guitar and then everything else was added to that so how is your role in terms of recording sort of evolved now because it seemed to me I didn't hear so much saxophone on this album. Were you doing more keyboards? And if, for those songs that you didn't play saxophone, was that your decision, or, or did the guys say, "Look, maybe not do um, that"? How does just, your role? Uh, it's pretty much my decision, I think. I mean, it wasn't anything that I tried that didn't work. I mean, I think there's it's on uh, "When We Are Free" and "Too Small Heart." <laughs> songs develop I, I'm, you know it's not like I have this burning urge to stick saxophone all over everything you know it's kind of <laughs> just seems to whatever fits and I think you know by nature the fact that I'm probably the last you know I'm usually doing something else so I'm always like the last thing on it's the if the track feels full by the time I am you know it's time for me to do it I'm, I generally will leave it off you know I, I don't feel like it needs to have you know if it feels right I'm, I'm not I don't need to have I don't need to stick myself on there mm-hmm. I want to ask you about a couple of interesting musicians on the album in recent years you've had a new drummer come uh, play mm-hmm. for the group Bugs Gonzalez and but for this album you had uh, David's son David Jr. come play drums and he's normally sort of thumping the tubs for uh, social distortion so right. first of all I want to know how was it that he came to play on the album instead of Bugs and what did David Jr. bring to the table well I think you know it started with him um Actually, I, I, as I understand it, I think um, when Dave Senior was working out the the idea for uh, "Made to Break Your Heart," um, which was, I think, the only song he had written beforehand, uh, I think he asked Dave Junior to play on, uh, you know, hit while, while he was working it out. So that went so well that he, you know, he was just there the first day to run that idea down just because he had done it and it worked really well and i you know we just sort of just kept going and going and going um i don't think it was anything willful on our part to exclude bugs but just the way that the the flow went um it just seemed like you know everything that dave jr did sounded great so we just kind of kept it there but uh you know we love bugs he's he's amazing so you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything you know 
he wasn't being demoted or anything like that. It just sort of the way that the whole thing worked out. But he's still playing with you on the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Far away, beyond those hills, is mystery untold. Far off, almost out of sight, is beauty to behold. Which way do we go? Can't say that I know. And also on the title song on the album, Gates of Gold, a, a previous producer, someone who was you know, very important in Los Lobos' development was uh, Mitchell Froome. He pops up mm-hmm. to play some keys. Uh, was yeah. this the first reunion with him since the 90s, and how did that come about? Well, you know, we stay in touch with him. He's still a very, very close friend for all of us, certainly me. I mean, he's. Uh, we just saw him the other night, actually. He came to see us. Uh, we did a show in L.A., and mm-hmm. um, he came out, which is pretty amazing because he doesn't get out much ever actually mm-hmm. so we were all pretty shocked to see him uh i don't know i guess uh, those songs felt like they could use his touch i mean he does do something truly unique i certainly don't have those sounds in my arsenal so um you know it's just a matter of uh, you know we just kind of sent it to him and said you know if you hear anything try it um and god knows you know that that was those are amazing sounds that he came up with. A very recent episode of the podcast, I got two of my regular co-hosts to do their own episode. They did a discussion of a couple of albums, one of which included uh, something from your deep dark past, uh, The Flesh Eaters, <laughs> A Minute to Die, A Second to Die. <laughs> a- and you know, it featured you and members of X and The Blasters. I mean, you know, Los Angeles rock and punk royalty were all part of this <laughs> band. An incredible lineup. And this is an album that sounds very, very different to eventually, you know, what you guys would be doing in X and The Blasters and eventually, you know, yourself in Los Lobos. You know, a very nuggets flavoured type of album. Now, on behalf mm-hmm. of um, you know, a few people who listen to the podcast who I know are huge fans of that album, uh, I wanted to ask, what were your recollections of that band and doing that album? A, uh, that was a unique time, you know. That was, you know, Lobos was really kind of just getting rolling. You know, those guys were, in many respects, my heroes. You know, Dave and, and John Doe, and, and it was sort of like, uh, you know, Chris was and remains a very, very uh, tortured soul mm-hmm. uh, in every respect that could be, as you can hear from his music. And um, you know, we we sort of put the whole thing together. I think 
I would say, you know, um, Chris and John had worked out, you know, like most of the arrangements or like at least the skeletons of the songs. And then the rest of us sort of came in and figured out uh, where we we're going to go. And, you know, just the, I mean, it just had such a wonderful sound with the marimba. I mean, it reminded me a lot of Captain Beefheart. Of whom yes, I'm a huge, yes. huge, really big fan. So, I mean, that's kind of the attitude that we went into it with. And, um, you know, it was just a really ex amazing experience. You know, we actually played again uh, in January of this year. We did a, a short, really? like a two week. Uh, tour yeah we got back together again it was amazing I wish I sincerely wish we could do more I really do I would I would drop almost everything to play with the Flesh Eaters it was that much fun so uh, what's preventing is just the, the, the working schedule of all, all musicians concerned yeah I mean you know everybody's you know Dave and Phil are extremely busy now in the States uh, Dave Alvin that is yeah, and yeah. X is playing all the time and you know honestly Chris I don't think Chris is not he's a unique individual I, I don't know if he'd, he'd like it as much as the rest of us would you know we've as much as said to him you know look anytime you want to do this you know let's do it and anytime you know if we're all together on a festival or you know two of us are at a festival let's get the rest of us and, and do it and you know I just don't know if that's if Chris's aspiration at this point in his life is to be in a band anymore you know mm -hmm. just I think he, he enjoyed I think he enjoyed it but like I said, he's a pretty dark individual, and I could never tell if he was absolutely miserable or enjoying himself. Right. I'm hoping or presuming that someone's gone and uh, taken a little bit of YouTube footage out there. That would be yeah. amazing yeah, I to think see. There's, yeah, there's some, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Another band I want to ask you about is uh, one of your side projects. Just sort of like, you know, looking up a couple of things, and I discovered that there's a band out there called Diamond Rugs that mm, yeah. uh, you're a, a member of, which uh, features. Uh, there was a band called Deer Tick, which I hadn't right. heard of. So the music there is a long way from Los Lobos, but can you give us a little bit of information about that? It's got that very raw rock and roll flavor. Not quite yeah. like the Flesh Eaters, but, you know, it still has no. that sense of rawness. So tell us a little bit about, about that <laughs> and your involvement. I want the kind of credit I decided to forget way for the flesh eaters um well it started with um there was a uh, a record uh, i guess about five or six years ago now there's a band called little brother middle brother sorry middle brother mm -hmm. that i just absolutely loved it's one of it's, it remains one of my favorite records of the last decade or so and that record was john mccauley who was the lead singer in deer tick and the singer from dawes and the singer from the band called delta 88 and i just that record just floored me in a way that very few records have because it just sounded so it sounded like like everybody in the band was having so much fun and the, just like the sonics of the record were so amazing i just couldn't imagine how you made a record like that in the 2000s it's sort of like it, it it sounded it literally sounded like something like the faces or like a record from the 60s where they're just they're having a party and somebody turns a recording machine on and and you know to goes like that so so fast forward a couple of years and we're playing well Slobos is playing in providence rhode island and, you know, we often sign CDs and stuff after the show. And so we're in the line, and I'm signing CDs, and this guy comes up to me and goes, Hey, you're Steve Berlin, right? I said, Yeah. And he goes, You and me, we're going to make a record together. I said, Yeah, you bet, buddy. Because now we're going to make a record together, man. I'm John McCauley. I went, What? I said, Yeah, I'm John McCauley. I said, John McCauley from Deer Tick and Middle Brother? He said, Yeah. He was very, he was, he was tripping his stuff off on mushrooms that night. <laughs> Um, and I said, well, I guess we are going to make a record. And <laughs> about three weeks later, we were in the studio making a record. So had, so, he, had he heard or read somewhere that you'd, you know, you'd 
gone and quoted that that was an album that you'd really dug. No, no, he just sort of, you know, he has a very zen-like way about him. He just kind of picked everybody in Diamond Rugs. Nobody in Diamond Rugs had met each other except for John. Yep. John knew everybody else and thought it would be fun to put that band together. But none of us knew each other. I wasn't aware. You know, I was kind of a fan of the Black Lips. I was Ian, Ian St. Pei's band, and I had certainly never heard of Dead Confederate. And I knew Deer Tick, you know, a little bit. But, um, yeah, he just sort of like, I mean, that's how he put Middle Brother together. He was just like, you know, hey, it'd be fun to make a record with, with these two guys. And, and John's like that. He just has this amazing way about them and you know lo and behold we you know we did two records they've been incredibly fun to make they're i found out the secret sauce that made the 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 little brother records sound great is that we recorded it and both diamond rugs records are done on a eight track one inch tape so what that means for you non-technical folks out there it's you basically you have to play it live effectively you have eight tracks and unlike computer recording which is literally unlimited tracks you sort of have to do everything either live or you know, in our case, we would do, say, a track with backgrounds and saxophones and hand claps and uh, and Celeste all at once. Because once you get a bass and, you know, two, two or three tracks of drums and two guitars, there's, there's only two or three tracks left. So it sort of creates this wonderful bonding experience where you basically have to play live and, and really represent yourself because you don't want to let your buddies down. You don't want to be the, the asshole that screws up the track. So... <laughs> It, it really is fun. I, I, I wish I could record like that more often, but, you know, it's not it's not for everybody. It's not for every band. You know, certainly Lobos, I don't think, could really do that. I mean, we sort of need the, the room to mess around with. But um, it, it, it was an amazing experience. We toured a little bit this year, and hopefully there'll be another one. I, I'd certainly, I, I'd, I'd love being part of it. I wanted to ask you about one more collaborative project or rather where i think you worked as a session musician and this is certainly on behalf of a bunch of the listeners who i know are huge fans of nico case and in particular mm, yeah. her album the worst things get the harder i fight etc 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 yeah uh, you played sax and flute on some of the songs on that album yeah so the question is what was she like to work for did you did she tell you what she uh, wanted or were you free to provide your own ideas i passed the life that the young people make had joyfully it's wasted I feel the weight of the needles repeat inside Sang my weight in metric trash Trip the light in Saturn's embrace And you give up with some local girl While our lights, our lights blot out face She was very open. Uh, it was. Um, it's. I love working with her. She's amazing. We're going to see her tomorrow. Actually, we're playing at a festival in San Francisco tomorrow that she's oh, at. Nice. But uh, no, she's. Uh, I mean, as far as her stuff, like you know, like she's very meticulous about like her parts and her vocals and the background vocals are extremely. Um, you know, they as you could tell, they're they. You know, she spends a lot, a lot of time. Oh yeah, getting getting those exactly as she wants. But the other people, you know, like everybody else in the room, at least the one the sessions I've been on, she's very open to you know anything, any experiment you want to try, any idea, any arrangement idea. She's uh, she's fabulous that way. Hmm. I read yesterday that there's a journalist by the name of Chris Morris who's written a biography on the band called Los yeah. Lobos Dream in Blue. Is the band happy with the book, or is it an anal an analysis of the music, or is it tales of throwing TV? Sets out of hotel windows or, or what? <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, it's uh, 
No, it's uh, we're very happy with the book. It's um, it, it, you know he was authorized. I mean, we did, we had no and exerted no editorial control. But uh, we, you know, I've known Chris forever. I mean, uh, one of the odder things of the book is that he and I went to see the first time I ever saw Los Lobos. He and I were together. We, oh, wow. He was my my date, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so we go back that far. He's been a friend of mine forever. And uh, he, uh, I think he really captured uh, what we're about. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's not, I have no qualm with anything he wrote. I don't think any of us do. Pretty much told it the way it is. And those of you who are interested in, you know, how the band came to be, I mean, he actually, I, I learned stuff I didn't know. I mean, the, the, the era before I joined the band, I, I sort of showed up in the early 80s. Uh, there was a, a history that I, I thought I knew stuff about, but um, he found there was, a, there was a, another member of Los Lobos before I joined, a guy named Frank Gonzalez. And uh, Chris tracked him down and interviewed him. Like we, we'd kind of lost contact with him. We had, I don't think anybody in the band has spoken to him in 40-plus years. And Chris found him and talked to him. And it was very uh, very poignant. It was kind of bittersweet. I mean, he, he left the band because he had uh, a lot of personal demons. But he's better now and working. And, you know, he's, he's alive, which kind of surprised all of us. Yeah. And doing well, so it was. Um, that was interesting, but uh, I, I think he did a fabulous job. It's a it's a really good read. I I, I really enjoyed reading it. I'm looking forward to uh, tracking down a copy in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's as I understand. I believe there's Kindle versions around, so you, I think you could probably find it soon if you wanted to. Uh, I don't so, know. I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a luddite in that way. <laughs> yes, so Steve, I want I want a real book. All right. Well, good on you then. I, <laughs> yeah, thanks. I highly recommend that. But it's it's it, he did a great job. I, it's a really good book. I know that you're not you know, the, the songwriter, but I sort of wanted to see if I could get your perspective on a couple of the uh, tunes on the album. Um, uh, sure. Songs on previous albums have often focused on uh, the uh, Mexican-American experience or the immigrant experience. Songs like, you know, Is This All There Is? Will mm-hmm. the Wolf Survive? Good Morning, Aztlan. This time around, you know, we have the, the title song, Gates of Gold, and as it mm-hmm. speaks about, you know, the hopes of really any immigrant to any new country. Does Louis use his uh, parents' experiences for uh, his songwriting, or was he a a very good investigative historian? (laughs) Uh, Both, I think. You know, he, uh, you know, I think all of us, you know, everybody in the band is basically second generation uh, Americans. So uh, a lot of those experiences are very, experiences are pretty fresh. And, you know, growing up, I mean, I didn't grow up in East LA, but, you know, he, he was a very keen observer of both, you know, people around him and um, of the history of, you know, the Chicano people. And so, yes, I think it's, it's both. It's, you know, his experience uh, growing up and, um, and just being very, very, very aware and, and, a, and a fabulous poet. You know, he's, He's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, lyricists anywhere. And I think this is this record. I, I know, I know he's very, very proud of his work on this record. I think this is, you know, he, he never talks much about it, but I, I, he said something to the effect of, you know, I really like these songs, which for him is like, wow, you know, it's like that's like the most braggadocious thing I've ever heard him say, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's. Uh, it's. Uh, I think they're, they're fabulous lyrics on this thing. In the beginning, there was the sun. And it did shine on me Showed me the way down the road Along twists and turns Through alleys and through streets When I couldn't feel the dirt beneath my feet Then came the wind And it did blow dust on me Made it hard for my eyes. Well, 
another really great lyrical song that all, almost seems that once again like a metaphor for uh, the immigrant experience is Song of the Sun uh, mm. and I, you know the sun's initial warmth being you know the promise of a good new life but as one moves into summer or you know the reality of trying to adjust to anything you know immigration transition from school into working life whatever you know it beats down and you're really hard and the music seems to evoke a very strong feel for the lyrical subject matter so uh, you, you've already gone and professed your admiration and Louis already you know you, you've mentioned how he's very proud of these lyrics has he ever sort of gone and written any literature like anything that's been outside of poetry or song lyrics has he thought about writing yeah I think books? he's uh, they're, they're actually he's I, I, I believe right now he's actually compiling a book of um, you know his writings, both lyrics and poetry and stuff like that. So I think that is forthcoming, although it's I don't know when, where, or how. But yeah, I think that yeah, it's I think it's time. I mean, certainly twenty whatever records that we've done, <laughs> there's enough there to to I think it'd make for a pretty fabulous book mm. myself. He seems to strike that really great balance between not being you know, overly flowery or, or not being overly despondent. It's just, he, he seems to really strike that great blend. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. Coming back to your own work, what have been your favorite non-Lobos projects as either a performer or a producer? Well, that... Because uh, I know you, you've done a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I have done a lot. Um, um, well, I'm, I'm actually working on the second record of a band called Making Movies right now, okay. literally like today um uh and their first record is one that was uh was really i think it's a it's i'm really happy with the way that came out and i think they're an amazing incredible band uh golly you know it's um <laughs> there's a lot to pick from well let me ask you this what draws you artistically to a specific project as a producer um you know it just has to have some spark um I'll get a demo or somebody will send me an idea or something like that. And, and if I hear something that resonates with me, I'm, I'm generally, you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm in, you know, it's, I don't, uh, it doesn't really take much, you know, aside from a really good original idea or, or a solid concept to, to get me intrigued, which is not to say I, I take everything I get offered, but I, you know, I've been blessed to work with some extraordinarily brilliant people and uh, hopefully continue to do so. Have you ever had any uh, production jobs where it turned out to be not quite what you expected, or oh God, yes. <laughs> oh God. you know you can't. No, that's yeah, that that happens sometimes, not all the time. Um, you just uh, you know, I, I take those as learning experiences. I, I try to look for the signs for things like that. You know, like something seems a little hinky going in. Um, you know, I might I, I know what to look for and. Um, hopefully to protect myself so it doesn't happen again. But you know, sometimes uh, sometimes stuff just happens. You know, it's it, every you know a project starts with the the best intentions and a great uh, attitude, and something or somebody goes sideways, and all of a sudden you're you're in the ditch. So, uh, Gates of Gold is listed as being as produced by Los Lobos, but was that more predominantly yourself who was the uh, the producer or really was it a very collaborative effort on the production no, side we they're very collaborative efforts these days i mean it's nobody i certainly can't tell david or anybody what to do mm. <laughs> or how to do it at this point so uh you know my role i mean i, I do i mean I, I i i found the studio and i mean i do sort of like the infrastructure work that i would do on any project um, but artistically i think it's um it's definitely a collaborative effort
table and wrote a good song About eyes as blue as the sea Drank down a whiskey and let out a sigh And thought of how things used to be is there a likelihood of anything more from uh, Lost Super 7? Well, I would love to do that. Unfortunately, uh, we're embroiled in a bit of a lawsuit in the States. The, the executive producer, uh, who hasn't really done much with the, the trademark, um, is is very litigious. So anytime we try to do something with that name, he shows up or has somebody show up and you know threaten to sue us. So we're, we're trying to negotiate a way that that could happen. And so he would stop doing that. But until that's, it's sort of like lawyer, it's it's in lawyer world right now. Like he has a lawyer, I, I had to have a lawyer. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Uh, and they're fighting it out. So hopefully there will be a, a moment that we could do stuff but um i did produce a record uh, last year with uh, max baca uh, and who played bass and bajo sexto on the first super seven record which for all intents and purposes is a super seven record it's everybody that was involved um joe ely's on there uh, i actually got alejandro escovedo is on there and so it's it's functionally a super seven record but it's the the name of the band is los tex maniacs oh wow so it's got almost name. everybody yeah so almost everybody involved is on that thing but hopefully there'll be a real super seven with you know the david and caesar and everybody back together again i you know we i know we'd love to everybody would love to it's just the we got to get around this knucklehead that's uh pretending that you know it's an important like he's going to do anything with it without us that's mm -hmm. the funny part like somehow or another he's going to make another super seven record that has none of the guys that played on any of the other ones before so yeah. we'll see what happens mm. and i guess finally what do uh, the next few months hold for uh, los lobos uh, besides regular touring are there any special shows or you know any um all acoustic or or, or mexican yeah i think material? we are uh, interestingly enough, we are going to, um, starting in, in January, actually, we're going to be doing a, a tour with ballet, a, a folkloric ballet from Mexico. Wow. So we're going to be doing the, uh, the acoustic stuff. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm not really, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to work, because um, I don't think we've actually worked it out yet. But it will be very interesting, I'm sure. And um, that'll go, uh, well, that'll go all around the States. I don't think, I'm not aware right now of any plans to tour Australia, although I would certainly love to. We, we always have a great time. Whenever we're there, oh man, you're talking about like with with the with the ballet. Well, I doubt that's going to happen. I mean, just us, just, just Lobos. You know, I, th I think the uh, you know traveling, you know, just traveling with six guys is hard enough. Much less, you know, whatever <laughs> that's going to be like thirty or forty people. Yep. But um, that that'll be the next uh, sort of non you know regular Los Lobos thing. You know, not uh, aside from a you know regular Los Lobos show that we're doing. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's very exciting. I mean, so I mean, I know you said that the details are still to be ironed out, but is a broad concept for you to be uh, playing behind the uh, ballet? Yeah. Would it be specially designed, uh, spe new, newly written material or, or classic I think material? Yeah, I think as I understand it, they're going to adapt the uh, um, the Pistola record. Oh wow! And some of the stuff from uh, from the very first record, just another band, uh, you know, the, the long ago yes. first record, um, and they're going to choreograph to that. And then I believe we're going to be doing some stuff on our own. Like we'll we'll play a, a half an hour show without them, and then like the last hour of the show will be them dancing to us playing. Oh, that sounds very very exciting. Hopefully there'll be some video footage that'll. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Play. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm. I, I'm sure we will do. Yeah, we won't let that moment pass without capturing it somehow. 
Brilliant. All right, look, Steve, thank you so much. This is very short notice for you, and uh, I'm immensely grateful. Always happy to uh, have the opportunity. This is, I think, our third chat over the years, once we had on, um, on the podcast and once many thousands of years ago when I was doing local radio. So um, always uh, grateful for your time and to be able to speak to you. Thanks so Thank much. you very much, man. It's always give, a pleasure. Give, give, uh, give my best to the rest of the band. Cheers. I will do. I will do. It was all we wanted, all we needed, and never had to feel afraid. I can almost touch it, can almost hold it, lost it so ever far away. When you're watching movies, are you sick of remakes, reboots, reimaginings, reinventions, and Reese Witherspoon? Are you fed up with movies where giant robots try to remake Enter the Dragon? Do you think that torture porn is vastly inferior to 1970s driving porn? Do you find Botox actresses with fake tits and action heroes with no chest hair a turn off? Do movies where no single shot lasts more than two and a half seconds piss you off? Yeah, me too. That's why I do Paleo Cinema Podcast, a podcast for films more than 20 years old. So if you think that Sid Charisse is a guy and that Myrna Loy is a kind of metal, you need Paleo Cinema Podcast. Go to paleo-cinema.com and do yourself a favour. And my thanks once again to Steve of Los Lobos for joining me on this episode of Love That Album for another chat on the podcast. Um, the interview came about very, very quickly. I sent him an email. Five minutes later, he responded and said, yes, he was happy to be a part of the show. So uh, sometimes you can actually just ask someone and they'll respond quite nicely. I know that for some performers, it you know is a bit more rigmarole to have to go through. You have to jump through more hoops with management, but they still come along and some artists choose not to respond but my gratitude to uh, Steve for uh, being so easy and carefree about uh, joining me on the program thank you once again I'm going to uh, go straight on and talk to you very briefly about what we have planned for episode 83 of the podcast episode 83 will also be out in October 2015 so if you count Eric Reanimator's compilation edition of the show then love that album will have three episodes out in october 2015 uh, which is quite nice uh, so basically i'm going to be joined by shannon hurley aka numbers girl from the all-time top 10 podcast uh, as you've listened to this show before you'll know that um, i'm a big fan of all-time top 10 and I've had Shannon's husband and the host of the all-time top 10 show, Mr. Ben Eisen, join me for three episodes of Love That Album, which is, you know, seems strange. I think he should have been on a couple more, but uh, we'll rectify that sometime in the not-too-distant future. But I'd overheard Shannon once say on the program that she was a big fan of the album 
that uh, we're going to discuss in uh, the program in episode 83, and that is Dusty Springfield's Dusty in Memphis album. And I thought, well, you know, that's uh, certainly worthy of discussion. So I put the proposition to her that uh, she should join me to uh, talk about the album, and she was quite happy to join. So uh, look out for that sometime on the podcast catcher of your choice or on iTunes, uh, or you can just uh, download us from uh, lovethatalbum.podbean.com. Either way, uh, I look forward to your company uh, later on this month and indeed for future episodes. If you want to catch any of uh, the previous episodes, any of the ones with Ben or any other previous episode that you might not have caught till now, this might be your first time listening to Love That Album. Many thanks for your time. Uh, if you wish to catch any of the other episodes, they're all there at lovethatalbum.podbean.com or on iTunes. Just search for Love That Album. I'm repeating that name quite a fair bit. It's probably getting on your nerves. I know it's getting on mine. So with uh, that uh, done, I'll uh, just say thanks once again for having a listen, and we'll see you later on in the month. All the best. Cheers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.